Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. All right, maybe we'll have some more come in as we get started, but maybe not either. This may be it today. But uh, <clears throat> we're gonna be looking at service today. We have one more lesson in this rekindle series that's uh, supplied by First Baptist Church, Brian. These lessons are all developed by them. And uh, wanted all of our uh, people to be able to go through the same thing for this uh, six weeks and uh, understand some things that uh, they felt like it was important for all church members to understand. And so service is one of those things that, that uh, is important for God's people. Next week, as I said, we're going to be looking at the Great Commission in week six. And uh, so that's another thing that's important. It's something that we've covered here in the past, haven't we? But um, it's something that uh, we'll be looking at again next week. All right, as we get started this morning... Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our uh, lesson. And uh, Frank, would you lead us in our opening prayer, please? I don't know where the microphones are at all. There is one right there. Oh, Heavenly Fathers, thank you for this day, oh Lord. I just thank you that we can gather here and worship you, oh Lord. So give us the ears and the heart to take in what is said, oh Father, and just give us that grace, oh Father, to, to love you more. Just ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, the rain out there is courtesy of my mother. Her name was Julie, or Julia, and uh, her nickname was Julie. And uh, so, uh, the storm? <laughs> no, I don't know whether she has anything to do with it or not. I don't really think she does, but anyway. Uh, we're... <clears throat> suffering from some of the outer bands of uh, Julia. And who would thought have thought that we would have been impacted as much as we are this far away? Northern Nicaragua is where it is. And it's going across up there. And, and uh, uh, then they're expecting it to uh, hold together and continue as a storm out in the Pacific, which is an unusual thing. If they hold together as a storm, it continues with the same name in the Pacific. Otherwise, if it uh, tears it all up, which uh, a lot of times as it goes over the uh, mountains that are the chain of mountains that comes down Central America, same as what we've got in uh, the U.S. and Canada and, and Alaska, the Rocky Mountains up there. Uh, and the Andes Mountains as you get down in South America, but uh, all that same chain of, of mountains. And usually it tears them up and uh, they lose their characteristic of a storm. And then when it reemerges on the uh, Pacific side, they rename it according to the scheme that they've got going in the Pacific. But if it holds together, they'll have an unusual named storm in the Pacific Ocean. So anyway, just a little trivia for you. <laughs> Uh, one other announcement, we uh, have had a sign guy come and give uh, estimates and, and uh, ideas about a sign, and I've got another one coming Tuesday. The man that did the painting on our uh, sign here at the church, the sign that's over the door here, and he's also going to give us an estimate of what it would cost us to get uh, church painted instead of chapel on our name here and change the name of the pastor. Now, why do we need a pastor's name change? 
Can you imagine? <laughs> so anyway, he's going to uh, come uh, Tuesday and, and uh, uh, give us that information. This guy from uh, David that came and gave the uh, estimate on the other side, he doesn't do these lettering on buildings like we've got here, so uh, he couldn't do that. But um, uh, this other guy did a good job, didn't he, on what we've got. He did the lettering over at uh, Los Narangas, and uh, then when we moved in here, he came back and, and uh, put our lettering on this building here. And uh, so he's going to come back. His name's David. And uh, he'll give us an estimate here on, on the things that we need. Well, anyway, that's not part of our lesson today, is it? <laughs> so we're going to start out with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we'll be looking at those verses in just a moment. But 1 Corinthians provides the most extensive passage that we have in the New Testament on spiritual gifts. And that's primarily what we're going to be talking about today as we think about service. These gifts had become a divisive issue in the early churches. People were arguing about them. People were uh, not accepting them. People were uh, abusing them. There were all kinds of things that were going on in the early churches with these. In verses 4 through 7, the uh, Apostle Paul begins a discussion of spiritual gifts. And uh, we're not going to take time this morning to uh, go and read all of these different verses. Uh, we will read verses 27 through 30 in just a moment. I think Frank has those to put up. And uh, uh, so we'll read those in just a moment. But... Um, in verses 4 through 7, the Apostle Paul talks about there being different kinds of gifts. But the same Spirit distributing all these gifts. Different kinds of service. But the same Lord directing that service, whatever service it may be that the individual may have, and different kinds of works. But all of them, and in everyone, it's the same God at work directing the works of the individual that is following the Holy Spirit and doing the things that God is asking them to do. Verse 7 then, it tells us that each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good, for the edification of the church, for the church to be built up for the church to accomplish the things that God has for that church to do. The Apostle then tells us that these spiritual gifts are a gift from God. If they're spiritual gifts, they're gifts from God. They're uh, God-endowed. They're God-given. And these gifts are to be used for the good of others not for necessarily the benefit of the individual that receives them. A lot of times people had the idea that these spiritual gifts were for them, for them to uh, have some acclaim, for them to uh, have a place of authority or uh, for them to receive recognition for the gifts that are given. Now, if it's a gift, that individual really doesn't have any claim to the gift that they've received except that God has endowed them to use that gift for the purpose of serving God. There are different kinds of the spiritual gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of work, as we mentioned a moment ago. The working. The ability to do the work that God has for us comes from God, doesn't it? How do we get the ability to do anything that we do for God? God gives it. Our musicians. How do you have the ability to play a guitar or a piano or a 
flute or whatever is the uh, individual's ability, how do they get that ability? You see, those things even come from God. Now, it's not like a spiritual gift. Don't get me wrong. These are a little different than the giftedness that God has for individuals to uh, have uh, all of these different things, but much like it. Because you have the ability to do that. <clears throat> when I was growing up, I worked on a farm. And I didn't think very much about being gifted to chop cotton. Do you know what chopping cotton is? Well, if we were uh, uh, in the garden area of, of uh, our land, we would call it hoeing. But when we did that same thing to cotton, we called it chopping cotton. Now, why do we do that? I don't know. But <laughs> give you a little lesson on ag agriculture this morning. But anyway, to be able to get out there and hoe, be able to cut the weeds and, and clean out around the different plants, whatever it was that we were growing, I had ability to do that. And I learned how particularly to take care of the plants that Dad had planted and that needed to be taken care of, needed to grow, needed to mature and then produce whatever crop it was that that plant was given to do. And uh, I mentioned cotton because cotton was one of the worst things in the things that we had to do. But we had to do it. You see, when you're picking strawberries, we had strawberries too. When you're picking strawberries, every once in a while I'd stop and I'd get a nice looking, juicy looking fresh onion, pop it in my mouth. You can't do that with cotton. <laughs> so, preacher, can I say something? Sure. This guy, this young guy, was out and he had to plow the corn and stuff, and he just hated it. Me too. <laughs> yes. And all once he saw a cloud up there, and the cloud said, "P C." Preach Christ. Boy, he goes back home to that. Let that cloud up there and says, PC, preach Christ. I, I'm not going to do any more of that. He said, son, come here. You know what that PC meant? He said, no, it's a cloud of corn. Get out. <laughs> Get out there and do it. <laughs> so, I... As you could tell by what I said, I, I didn't care too much for farm work. <laughs> I never saw that PC in the clouds, but uh, I did feel it in my heart. So, But um, uh, all the spiritual gifts are given to individual members of the church. So no one can say, I can't do anything. Every member of the church is gifted in some way. Every one of us have a spiritual gift. I don't know whether you've ever taken a spiritual gift inventory or not, but these inventories, as you take them, will show you where you're the most gifted. Now, most people have one or two that they're better, better at. But everybody has a spiritual gift of some sort that God has given us. And <clears throat> these gifts function because we're equipped members of the church to act as a body of Christ. And also, it's for the congregation. The gifts are to be used to build up the church, to advance the kingdom of Christ, and are not a private benefit. I sort of mentioned that a minute ago, didn't I? All right, let's look at verses 27 through 30. 
Uh, who would like to read that portion of Scripture for us, please? All right, Toby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just what's up there? Yes, should be up there. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has placed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing, various kinds of languages. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all uh, do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other languages? Do all interpret? Okay. <clears throat> Let's look at these individual things that it's mentioned here. First of all, apostles. Do we have apostles today? No. Who were these? Well, these were individuals that uh, the Lord had called. All of them had shared in the ministry of the Lord in some way. And you say, well, what about the Apostle Paul? He wasn't there with Jesus while he was on earth. But we know that he spent three years in Arabia being taught individually by Christ. The Lord wanted him to be an apostle and he gifted him specially to do the work that he had for him to do. And uh, there's no other apostle that had individual instructions for that length of time. Now I'm sure every one of the other apostles received individual time with the Lord, individual in instruction. It doesn't tell us about that except maybe some of the time that he spent with Peter and instructed him on some certain things. But uh, the Apostle Paul was singled out and given a very special calling that none of the other apostles had. Now what was his calling mainly? Do you remember what he said in his writings? What was his main responsibility? To the Gentiles. Yeah, to reach the Gentiles with the gospel of Christ. And uh, so that was his primary responsibility. But there were other apostles. But uh, these all were called and were given a authority by Jesus Christ to do the work that they were to do. And so that's not a gift, office, a place that we have in, in churches today. Uh, what about prophets? Who were they? Well, we know that prophets were servants that were given a certain responsibility for telling, either foretelling or forthtelling. Now, what's the difference in those two? To foretell means to announce about something that's going to happen in the future. That's how we use the word prophesy most of the time, isn't it? But also prophets were given the responsibility to foretell. Just simply to give the Word of God. To tell what God has already revealed. And uh, so uh, in that sense... Individuals who are teachers and preachers and evangelists and so forth in our day and time may be prophets forthtelling, not prophesying in the sense of telling the future, but telling what God has already revealed. By the way, one of the things that we uh, see in the scriptures contained in the book of Revelation. And we would consider the book of Revelation a book of prophecy, wouldn't we? Doesn't it foretell the future? Tells us what's going to happen? Most of the book of Revelation is a prophetic announcement by the Lord. But as you come to the last part of the book of Revelation, 
Jesus told John that no one else would have that gift of prophecy in, in uh, the sense of uh, telling the future because if anyone added to the words that he had given to him will be given uh, the plagues that are written in this book or if anyone takes from the prophecies that are written in this book then to him will be taken from the uh, promises that God has made. So, uh, we can know that by those verses of Scripture that prophecy came to an end. There are no more prophets in the sense of telling the future. There are prophets in the sense of foretelling the things that God has already revealed. And then notice it's, it, it singles out teachers. We have teachers today, don't we? And teachers are gifted by the Lord to do the things that God has called them to do, to teach. And we have many gifted teachers. By the way, in the church there in, in Bryan, we have an individual by the name of Steve Oberhammer. And he's a teacher at uh, Texas A&M, teaches New Testament Greek, and he teaches Hebrew in the university. Anyway, he is very gifted as a teacher. One of the reasons that class has grown so large and uh, is such a prominent part of that church, there's over 100 members of that one class. It's the largest class in, in the church. And um, uh, it, um, much of it is because of the giftedness of uh, Steve Oberhammer. He, he's just fantastic in his teaching. And can you believe that they asked me to take his place sometimes when he left? Ooh, that was a big responsibility. And then notice helpers. Can anybody be a helper? I, I, think, I think that's a gift that, that most individuals could have to help others. How do you help others? Well, it could be monetary help. You might help them monetarily because they might have things that only money could help them with. Or it may be encouraging them. It might be that, that you need to uh, be a shoulder to cry on. It might be that, that uh, you need to uh, give them instruction. That would still be helping, wouldn't it? You can just name many different ways that individuals help other people. And that's a gift that we have in the church. Now, some are gifted in the area of helping more than others. Just like some are gifted in teaching more than others. And then managing. Probably... This was the same as in our day today, a deacon. Managed. A deacon has certain responsibilities, certain things that he's to manage under the ministry that the church gives him. A lot of times the deacons are divided up in the congregation to help various groups of people. Sometimes it's with widows. Sometimes it may be with young married. Uh, but churches do it differently. But most of the time, the deacons have specific responsibilities in different groups in the church. And uh, so uh, we would think about that as managing. And then he talks about speaking in languages. Notice in the uh, Hallman Christian Standard Bible, it calls it languages. Now, some of the Bibles interpret that word there as tongues. Speaking in tongues. 
But that's languages. Every time an individual was getting up to speak in another language, that's what it was. And there had to be an interpretation during the time that that gift was valid. Now this was good until the completion of the New Testament. When the New Testament was completed, those special gifts or uh, those gifts that were given in part, as the Bible talks about it in another place, weren't needed anymore. And so we don't have individuals that can get up and uh, it would be nice if we did that uh, uh, could just get up and interpret what I'm saying in English to the individuals that don't understand English very well who speak Spanish to just give Spanish. Or an individual who uh, spoke, I mean, who uh, uh, was given the gift of language and they could uh, get up and, and uh, speak in Russian or in, we had Hebrew back then, didn't we? Or uh, Aramaic or other languages. And uh, these were all languages that people spoke. It wasn't something that was different from that. It was a language. And that's exactly what the Greek word means when that word is given in the New Testament. Languages. And uh, so this was a very needed gift in the time before the completion of the New Testament. Now, what about those church members that don't hold high positions in the church? The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Do we have that on the board? Yeah. Somebody want to read that one for us? Who would volunteer to do that? Malcolm? According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service, if teaching, in teaching, if exhorting, in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. All these gifts are qualified by the phrase in according to the grace given, that is, to the extent that God has empowered you. Okay. All right. That last part wasn't part of the verse of Scripture. <laughs> but... <clears throat> the uh, idea that we're given these gifts to the extent that God has empowered us, to the ability that He gives us. Now, uh, did you notice in, in uh, the listing here of the spiritual gifts, it didn't give any of these miraculous spiritual gifts. Because by the time the book of Romans was written, these things were pretty well doing, uh, being done away with. They didn't need them. And so the New Testament was being completed. And we had the whole Word of God that we might not have to have these extra spiritual gifts. They were indispensable when they were given. They were very needed at the time that the New Testament was being written. But after it was written, these things were not needed anymore. And so the phrase here, according to the grace given. The grace that we have, the uh, ability that God gives us to be able to do whatever it is that He's gifted us to do. And we still have gifts just as much as they did in the New Testament. And all of these gifts we have today, as you notice the listing of them here, uh, he talks about service, exhortation, giving. Do you think an individual is given the gift of giving? Well, they are. But that doesn't excuse the rest of us who may not have that gift of not giving anything. But these individuals are given a special gift to know how and when and where giving is needed. 
And uh, uh, then uh, he talks about uh, service, exhorting, generosity, leading, showing mercy. How are we to show mercy? With cheerfulness. We're to be cheerful in our showing mercy. As we help other individuals, as these individuals understand their need and, and we're able to be there to help them in that need, showing mercy, we're to do it cheerfully. Really, I think we could say without hesitation today that all the spiritual gifts that the church has needs to be done with cheerfulness, with joy, with an attitude of, of happiness to be able to do the work that God wants us to do. So we're all, we all have gifts. All of us do. Many can teach children. That's a special gift, to be able to teach children rightly. My wife has that gift. She really does. And I could probably name some others in here that have that gift as well. Because they can work with children when sometimes it's hard for me to get down on their level, to understand how to present a lesson and so forth to individuals that are not grown. We can all give something. And <clears throat> we all have the responsibility of reaching our neighbors. We've talked about that uh, a lot in here, haven't we? As we looked at the Lord telling us that uh, we needed to witness to our neighbors. And uh, so we use whatever spiritual gift that the Lord had has uh, gifted us with to help us in our reaching our neighbor. So, the next two groups of three gifts in, in the Greek here. The first group focuses on the ministry of the church, service, teaching, encouragement, these are all things that a church, every church has in common that needs to be done, right? And then the next group of three centers on what individuals can do for others, contributing to their needs, the gift of giving, serving, and showing mercy. These are all things, again, that are needed, but these are things that are from individual to individual mainly, not from the individual to the church. And then all the remaining gifts are needed by the church because each of us has a gift that we must use to incorporate together in advancing the cause of Christ. And the church is ineffective without the giftedness of each of the members of the church. You know, I know my style of teaching right now is not conducive to you making comments or interrupting or uh, having something that you want to say. And I want you to interrupt me if you do have something that uh, you think of that uh, would help in our discussion. So uh, uh, just because I just talk and talk and talk. You don't feel like you can't interrupt and, and uh, say something. I want you to. Because as we, in our class, as we interact together, we're able to learn more than if I'm just talking and talking and talking. You understand what I'm saying? All right, hearing no one interrupt, <laughs> I'll go on. Entitlements aren't welcoming. 
This is found in Philippians chapter 2. We'll read that in just a moment. But in these verses, the uh, Apostle Paul describes Christ from His glory in heaven, His place where He is right now. And this was before His earthly incarnation in Bethlehem. To His willing and self-humiliating condition as He came to this earth. And then it goes on to His ultimate exaltation in heaven. Notice those things as we read this just in a minute. And um, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote these verses for a very practical reason. He is urging the Christians at Philippi to treat each other with humility and to serve one another like Christ has given us an example. Christ is to be the individual that we follow. His life on earth is to be an example of how we are to live our life on earth. We're to be humble. We're to lift up Christ. We're to exalt Him. And we're to live for Him. Now, who would like to read Philippians chapter 2? Okay, go ahead, Deborah. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. Okay. It's quite a story in those very few verses. Jesus in heaven, exalted, high and lifted up, but He didn't consider that something to be held on to. Did you notice that? And so, when the time came, notice the Bible says, in the fullness of time, not here, but uh, in another place, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. At the right time, He came. Now let me say this. We're talking about the second coming of Christ in my messages now. And there's going to be a time for Him to come again just like there was for Him to come the first time. We don't know when that's going to be, just like they didn't know when He was going to come the first time. And it may be that it's going to be as much of a surprise as He comes again as it was for them to discover that baby in a manger was the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, He won't come as a baby. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But the way He comes may be a surprise to us. Just something to think about. But Christ's deity, notice that it puts Him equal with the Father. You know, a lot of people like to uh, look at the Godhead or the Trinity and they want to think that the Father is above the Son and the Son is lower than the Father and the Holy Spirit is lower than the other two. That's not the way the Bible presents them at all. They're co-equal. They're the same God. Now we don't understand how God can be one God yet He can manifest Himself in three different ways. And you see, that's exactly what it is. He's manifesting Himself as the Son and as the Holy Spirit at the same time He's the Father. 
Do I understand all of it? No. And I don't think anybody really can understand all of it. We've had a jillion books written on this particular subject. But I don't think we can really understand it until we're in His presence. And He is going to explain to us. We're going to understand. We're going to know even as we're also known. And it's going to be a revelation to us about how God works and what God does. But um, notice, <clears throat> he didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, something to use for his own advantage. But he freely gave up all his privileges and powers that rightfully belong to him that He could come and serve us. Now, I don't know if you see how great a thing that was. The God of the universe came and served humanity. Made Himself a little lower than the angels. And then ultimately gave his life. Didn't even hold on to the life that he was given, but gave it up for us. Christ willingly experienced humility. We don't like to be humble. We don't. But that's what the Bible continually tells us to do. Humble ourselves before God that we might be able to do the things that God wants us to do as we live on this earth. All the experiences that Jesus had. Think about His death. The awful shame, the cruelty that he experienced as he went to the cross. But he willingly did that for my sins, for mine alone. If I had been the only individual that had ever trusted him as my personal Savior, I believe Jesus would have still come and died for Steve Horton. That's how much he loved us. That's how humble he was. And through all of this, Jesus didn't complain when he left his glory in heaven, when he served humanity on this earth, when he died on the cross. He didn't complain. I think if I had been where he was, I would have been complaining, don't you? For us, service is often the last thing in the world that we would want to have. But it's a gift. Serving is a gift. And for some individuals, that's how they're gifted. I can name two or three in our church that have the servant gift. Penny is one of those. When she comes into the building, one of the first things she does, she looks around and she sees if there's anything that's out of place, anything that needs to be picked up or swept up or cleaned up, when Wanda's over here at the table getting prepared, Penny is in there with her, helping her, bringing things over from the cabinet. She has a servant's heart, we say. Well, she's gifted as a servant. Now, she's not the only one, I, uh, I know, but, but it stands out in Penny. 
Frank will have to tell her that we talked about her all during my Sunday school class this morning. <laughs> uh, no, not really. Okay. Any other comments about that section? Entitlements aren't welcome in the church. Let me say this. We may have kings or queens or we may have dignitaries. We may have presidents. We may have uh, prime ministers. We may have, uh, you name any other thing that are sort of entitlements in our world today that come to our services. They should not be given any special consideration over anybody else in our church. Entitlements in the church are not welcome. That's one of the things we learn from what Jesus did as He came to this earth. If there was anyone entitled, it was Him. But He didn't hold on to His entitlement. But He gave it up. He humbled Himself. Okay, and then serving in the church, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Uh, somebody... I want to read that one for us. Okay, we need somebody that will take the microphone. Okay, Wanda will back here. First <laughs> Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right. You remember what we've been talking about? Now, I named a gift of service, but it tells us here that all of us are to serve in the giftedness that we've received. Right? So, in a sense, all of us are servants or should be. If anyone speaks, he should be as one who speaks God's Word to anyone. So, like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, and the others, Peter writes that everyone in God's family has a part to play in the church. God has seen to it that Every believer has a gift that can be used for the common good and for the church. The giftedness you have is for the advancement of the church, not your personal exaltation. In fact, if we're not using the gift with humility, we're misusing the gift. That's what the Lord is telling us here. Peter divides all the spiritual gifts into two broad categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. We're not going to divide these up too much today, but speaking gifts are usually considered more valuable. This is not to give anybody a halo or make them feel more important. But speaking gifts, preaching, teaching, prayer, encouragement, choirs, exhortation, music, all of these things are giving forth from the individual for the whole congregation. And then serving gifts are usually more behind the scenes. Good deeds, helping other individuals, showing mercy, giving, all of these things are things that are usually not out in front, are usually not things that people see as much as these other gifts. An individual who gets up and speaks, everybody sees that person, don't they? But everybody who is giving, everybody may not see that individual and even know that they have given. That's why our collection 
boxes back to back and you can put it in anytime you want to. And I don't think anybody in this congregation is taking a million dollar check and holding it up for everybody to say, look what I'm doing, and then dropping it in the box. Whatever we give is between us and God. But God is going to convict us about what we ought to be given, giving. So no matter the gift, there's only one purpose. And the purpose of that gift is to glorify God. To glorify Him. In conclusion this morning, God's grace is revealed when we exercise our grace gift. This should be what motivates us. When we use our various spiritual gifts to serve others, God's grace is shown and He is glorified regardless of anybody else sees it or not. You see what I'm saying? We should then celebrate the good news that God has given each of us a gift to use in His body. And it's rooted in His grace. We should be determined to use those gifts to serve others in the church, as I mentioned a moment ago. And the goal is that when we meet the Lord on the final day, and all of us are going to do that, we're going to hear two words. You know what those two words are? Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Now, don't get me in to talk about the rest of that because I don't know what it's talking about. I don't know what the ruler over many things will be. But anyway, we're to appear before him receiving his well done. I hope you'll do that. I hope I'll do that. Our Father, we thank you this morning for your grace, for your goodness, and for the gift graces that you've given to this congregation. Thank you that we're able to be a church simply because each one of us uses the gift that you've given. I pray your blessings on our church. Bless our further services this morning. Help us as we continue to exalt our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through our music, through our words, through our meeting together and our worship. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you being here this morning. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at stevewood 2 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.